From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Meteorologist with the National Weather Service office in Juneau, Greg Spahn, gave a November weather wrap-up. So November for Juneau wasn't necessarily as exciting as some might think. Uh, It's true that right now, as we're speaking, Juneau, Alaska is close to breaking its all-time precipitation record. But for the month of November, we were actually below average uh, as far as our precipitation total was concerned. It was close. We had a total of about 6.23 inches of liquid, but the average there is actually 6.54. So not an incredibly exciting November precipitation-wise for uh, a lot of the panhandle overall. Um, We saw that trend repeated as well with Haines being a little bit below average, Kowak being below average, Petersburg, Sitka, Yakutat, Ketchikan. Temperature-wise, we were also a little bit on the chilly side towards November, especially towards the end of November um, once we got past Thanksgiving, really. Uh, in fact, temperatures in some places were up to 3 degrees below normal. It was on the cooler and drier side throughout the month of November across a lot of southeast. He says Ketchikan and Sitka broke temperature records. So we did break a couple temperature records in November, not in Juneau itself, but Ketchikan broke its record low temperature on November 2nd and November 3rd, reaching 24 degrees and 25 degrees Fahrenheit, respectively. And Ketchikan really bottomed out at 24, 25 there, so pretty chilly. Uh, Sitka, on the other hand, actually set a record high temperature on November 16th when it reached 54 degrees Fahrenheit. So once you head out into the middle of November onwards, that sort of weather becomes really difficult to find in a lot of southeast Alaska. Spawn gave further details on Juno being on its way for an all-time yearly precipitation record. We are very close to breaking our all-time precipitation record here uh, at Juno Airport, which is where the record in question is located. Um, we are just a few uh, tenths of an inch away, liquid-wise, I believe, from breaking that record. So we are very close. We're currently in third place. First place and second place all-time records there are, are neck and neck. At, back here in the Valley at our Weather Service office here, we've already broken our Weather Service office's record for precip by a healthy amount. To know that Lena Point and Auk Bay co-op sites have also broken their all-time records precip-wise. So the airport is... Still hanging on. It's not quite first place just yet, but we are very close, and it is possible that we could actually break that record. No promises. Possible that we could break that, though, through this week because it looks like we have another system on the way. And says this is what to expect for December. There are signs now that December could be a little bit below normal precipitation-wise as well. And as we go on into the rest of the winter, we're still seeing that same trend of temp for temperatures. So it, it, it's looking more and more like it could be a pretty cold winter across southeast Alaska. Past December, there's no good indication of whether we'll have more or less precip than average. Meteorologist Greg Spahn. The number of responses EMS and fire have made in Juneau this year is nearing 5,000 in total. Capital City Fire and Rescue Fire Marshal Dan Jagger broke down the numbers while on action line. For this year alone, we're sitting at 4,830 calls, which for about the last five years has been uh, pretty close to the same numbers. We're sitting at about 47 to 4,900 calls a year. Um, This being only the first few days of December, and we get usually, you know, 300 or so calls. Um, we could definitely go above the 5,000 mark. Um, but like last year, we had 4,996 for the year. So we almost made 5,000. But get, from looking at the uh, the spreadsheet here that the chief gave, I mean, we're, we're on track to be hitting close to 5,000, which, uh, put it in perspective, he also has on here from 2006 where we were running about 3,200 calls. So we're almost doubling our calls since then. And added... 
and I started in 2005. So it's uh, it, it's kind of interesting to see the numbers and how they change every year, and, and we're constantly increasing that or staying right at that. Um, as far as any down downward trends, there's really not much of that. We're maintaining this for quite a while now, so it's definitely a busy place. In 2019, the department had brought in the Mobile Integrated Health Program, which Jagger said if their calls were accounted for in this tally, they would be over 5,000 responses. I do know that they're a very busy group, um, and they help a lot of different other groups out like JPD and uh, the the emergency department at BRH and uh, just a, a lot of other places around town that benefit from the services that we provide through that group so i i wonder if if we did account for the amount of calls they had it would be over five thousand this year oh absolutely uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it definitely would fire marshal dan jager the juno school board meets next week and among the topics is discussing the board's legislative priorities ahead of the legislature convening next month superintendent bridget weiss talked about the board's typical priorities while a guest on action line One typical uh, priority is funding, adequate funding, and multiple-year funding. Because the other challenge that we have each year that we budget is we don't know. By the time the school board is building their budget, we don't know what the legislature is going to do about funding for the next year. And so forward funding, adequate funding, we have been underfunded for, as I said, almost a decade. So that's our main priority. It is an expectation, that uh, constitutional expectation that public education be funded. Weiss says early childhood and pre-K is also a top priority. Early childhood has been another area that the board has been very interested in and held up as a priority. Uh, We believe that um, the commitment to early childhood makes a big, big difference in readiness for K-12 and allows uh, really the learning experience for all students to be much better when all kids are prepared for kindergarten. And and we can see in our data that... um, only about one-third of our students enter kindergarten with what we call um, kindergarten readiness, which means we have some indicators and they have to um, be um, sufficient in a a number of those kindergarten readiness indicators, Uh, and that's not enough. We need more students entering kindergarten ready. And why spoke positively of the resources being made available through the Alaska Reads Act, an omnibus education reform bill that had passed this year. We're excited about some potential, uh, you know, from the legislature now recognizing that it is important and schools, K-12 school systems should be engaged in that work. And so there's some partial funding coming next year for certain pre-K programs inside of our school system. Superintendent Bridget Weiss. Following his successful re-election campaign, Governor Dunleavy was sworn in yesterday. We'll have more on that after the break. You're listening to News of the North. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy has been sworn in for a second term. I will faithfully discharge my duties as governor of the state of Alaska. As governor of the state of Alaska. To the best of my ability. To the best of my ability. The swearing-in ceremony with Lieutenant Governor Nancy Dahlstrom was held yesterday in Anchorage. 
I am honored to serve next to him as Lieutenant Governor for the next four years. Alaskans, we are going to see progress. We're going to have vast opportunities and we will also see results. We are going to live up to our motto, North to the Future. Again, I want to thank you all for being here with us today. We have lots of work to do, and I'm honored to continue the work that has been started in the last four years. The Republican Dunleavy last month became the first Alaska governor since Democrat Tony Knowles in 1998 to win back-to-back terms. Dunleavy won the ranked vote governor's election with more than 50% of first-choice votes. His challengers were Democrat Les Gara, independent former Governor Bill Walker, and Republican Charlie Pierce. During his speech Monday, Dunleavy did not delve into specifics about the agenda for his new term, but sounded a positive tone. We have a tremendous opportunity over the next four years, again, to work together to make this a state that um, is going to be inviting for our kids and our grandkids and to make us all proud. Alaska is in an interesting position um, on the globe. And what's, what's happening internationally is going to put Alaska even more so on the globe. As we know, there are models that indicate, and we can see that ourselves, that the Arctic is warming. This is going to put Alaska in the forefront of, uh, of international trade, international relations, especially in the Pacific and especially in the Arctic. Um, Alaska's position as a, uh, as a logistics hub with our international airport is only going to grow. It's going to make, uh, make, uh, make Alaska a more important position on the globe for shipment. He spoke on the state's resources and public safety. Our resources, which are second to none, are going to also help catapult Alaska into fulfilling its, um, its age-old promise of being a uh, resource supplier for not just the United States, but for the world itself. But really what we have to do as we look into the future is we've got to invest in ourselves, we have to invest in our people, we have to invest in our kids. Four years ago, I made the statement that we're going to make Alaska the safest state in the country. We have a long way to go, but we've also accomplished a lot in four years with your help. And in talking about working with the legislature... I'm going to work with everybody and anybody. I'll be working across the aisle with individuals. I'll be working with folks at the um, local level, not just in the legislature, uh, with our native corporations, our tribes, all the entities in the state of Alaska that make this a great state. So we face some uncertain times, it's true, but uh, big decisions um, loom on the horizon. Ones that will take cooperation, compromise among all Alaskans with very, very different ideas about how to solve our problems. Speaking on his now second term in office, Governor Dunleavy. During his address to the chamber last week, State Senator Jesse Keel talked about what he said is a new form of capital creep. Like so many industries, a lot of folks in state government are continuing to work from home post-pandemic. Um, and, and a lot of folks really like that. A lot of folks are every bit as productive doing that or more so than they were in the office. Um, and, and good managers pay attention to that and folks who are doing better work from home and folks who aren't need to come back to the office. But work from home pretty quickly turns into work from anywhere on earth. And we are seeing it. We are seeing folks whose jobs are listed as Juno who have not set foot here. They work from their home in Kenai or wherever. That troubles me very much. It's capital creep on steroids. Keel says he's been in conversations with department heads at the state to address the issue. I continue to talk with and work with managers and commissioners um, at the state to talk about how we can do the most effective 
an efficient structure of government, which is to have the headquarters in the headquarters, right? Nobody in the private sector has dual headquarters all over the world, right? And yet we seem to have this notion in Alaska state government that people don't need to live in the capital. They don't need to work near one another in the head shed. Um, and it's a problem. It's less efficient. It costs more. And we owe Alaskans better than that. We should have state government headquartered in the capital city. And says the issue will linger and asked this of attendees. This is the question of the next five to ten years, I think, um, for a, a major, major sector of the capital city's economy. I'm actively soliciting, please, um, let's talk about this. I'd love to get your ideas for ways we can do better because right now it's a serious problem and it's getting worse, not better. Juno Senator Jesse Keel. The Centennial Hall Convention Center Ballroom started undergoing renovation on Saturday and that work will continue until August of next year. The city said the renovations include new flooring, paint, acoustic wall coverings, operable partitions to segment the space, and new audio, visual, and lighting systems, along with other structural and mechanical improvements. During the construction period, the Centennial Hall building will be unavailable for rentals. However, the Juno Arts and Culture Center rental space will remain open. Hawaii's Mauna Loa volcano is still spewing lava on the Big Island. No buildings are under threat so far, and better technology is helping assess the situation. Here's ABC's Chuck Sievertson. It's the first eruption of the world's biggest active volcano since 1984. The ability to study what's going on both under the ground and on the surface is much greater than, than it was in 1984. University of Hawaii geologist Scott Rowland. There are lots more seismometers, lots more tilt meters. I mean, GPS was not available. Satellite interferometry was not available. Lava is within three miles from an important roadway. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.